So in three, two, one, lemon, lemon cake. cake. Perfect. First time. That was a good one. That was a good one. Authoritative. I like that. It's a great way to start this. It's pretty good. <laughs> Is film like milk? Yes. It's got culture in it. And it's, mm, damn it. Leche. <laughs> Whole milk, skim milk, medium milk. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk Could me? Could you milk me? Also, we should get some lemon cake. Scott won't let me have it in the house because he doesn't like lemons. So uh, this will have to so be something you can't we have it if Scott can't have it. I just like Instead if I'm going to bring cake home, I don't want to eat the whole thing. So like I go chocolate. But anyway, that's a side tangent. Hi, and welcome back to Age Like Milk, the podcast where we decide if a film has gone bad in the mind fridge of your mind. I am one of your hosts, Paris Herbert Taylor, and possibly a clone, possibly the real deal. My good friend and co-host, David William Rogers. Hello. Go to sleep now, Cindy. <laughs> what an accurate Midwestern accent. A very typical yeah. American accent. No further questions, Your Honor. David, what is the film we are doing today? The film we are doing today is The Sixth Day, the year 2000, um, directed by Roger Spotswood, I, I want to say. Very, I'm looking at these names and they're fucking with me, I think specifically because they know I have an you issue like with this. How, you know how it's like Spachemin, but it's not like Spaceman. <laughs> yeah. Is his name like Spachemin? Spotswood. There's, there's S's, there's W-O-O-D-E's in it. So I'm going to say Spotswood. And writing credits, Cormac Wiberly and Marianne <laughs> Wiberly. Oh, I see <laughs> yes, what's happening what here. Yeah, yeah. Somebody went in here and was like, oh, they're doing this. And it's like, milk. Let's fuck with David. Change the names. Um, yeah. yeah. So the year 2000 cast, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Michael Rappaport, Tony Goldman. Uh, this was Terry Crews, I think, first big break. Wow. Um, Robert Duvall. Yeah. And then uh, the voice actor who played little Cindy, the little robot doll child. Who, uh, was super fucking creepy and we'll <laughs> have to talk was. about that during the podcast yeah. but before we do that i believe we, one of us will have to do a, a synopsis i have no idea whose turn it is i never I know i think it's turn. you okay because, yeah, i love I it i love it i love doing a, a i like to leave it open-ended i like to make it short and sweet okay so here we go a totally typical average American Joe named Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> or really his name in the movies <laughs> is Adam Gibson. That's not his name. That's that's not Adam Gibson's accent. Um, so he's this helicopter pilot in the future, in the near future, which in includes uh, remote controlled helicopters, but no cell phones, you'll notice, but we'll get into it. Um, so he works with his good friend, Michael Rappaport, Hank Morgan, Loving father, tries to get laid on his birthday, kid comes in, you know, ruins it, whatever. This is a world where they tried to clone humans, no go, uh, but you can clone your pets. And this totally average American helicopter pilot in the future named Adam Gibson, who sounds like he's from, you know, Latvia or uh, somewhere in, in Eastern Europe, he, uh, he gets a VIP client. He's going to take this guy heli skiing. Uh, at the last minute, he lets his friend Hank, Michael Rappaport, go because it's his birthday. He's going to go, you know, blah, blah, blah. Next minute, he wakes up in the mall, in a, in a cab going to the mall. He's like, oh, where am I? Whatever. Uh, gets a present for his daughter because he finds out their family dog has died and his wife wants her to do the repet. Anyway, spoiler alert. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Adam Gibson, has been cloned. And he finds out that there's actually this whole underbelly of human cloning. We have these bad guys, um, Tony Goldwyn as Michael Drucker, this like eccentric scientist guy. Uh, yeah, turns out he's, he's cloning humans and uh, they accidentally cloned him because they thought he died in this helicopter crash. And 
again, things happen and it turns out our main character this whole time has actually been the clone and the other guy that he sees running around with his family is the real guy and yeah, fucked up shit happens and let's talk about it. Human cloning. What a what a topic. I I think this movie must have been around the time. In fact, I know it was when Dolly the sheep was kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So they, I, they show that in the beginning. Yeah. Um, it's like, like three three years prior. In the 90s, yeah. yeah. The sheep was cloned mm-hmm. and then this technology came about and then they did it. And there was like complications and it was ruled by the government that we shouldn't be doing it. Mm-hmm. Hence the six day law, which kind of connects to Christianity. Humans were created on the sixth day. And then only God, God on can seven, clone. Yes. He rested or she. Ooh. Got it. Ooh. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, it's a moral <laughs> thing. I don't know. It's an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. I had never seen it. Had you seen this movie before, David? I had. once yeah it's his favorite honey movie for (laughs) sure but david we're not alone today Mm. um and uh before we jump into talking the film talking about the film which has obviously a lot of themes uh we have our favorite guest joining us i should say favorite that's mean to all of our other guests but a favorite friend of mine uh we have james mendoza joining the podcast today james hello to you how are you guys what's up man you know, um, I'm going to be completely honest. You guys didn't mention Michael Rooker. Like he's like the main villain of the movie. Uh, yeah. Like, we, yeah. It goes to Robert Duvall, and, but dude, days of thunder. Remember Michael Rooker replacement killers. But I uh, feel like I would say for him, for me, he's redeemed. It, yeah. It would guardians be, of the galaxy. It would be guardians. And he doesn't have his, his, uh, his needle with him. In this no, but movie. I'm I'm saying like uh, like Robert Duvall's character in this is not the main villain to no, me. No, he's he... saying Michael Michael Rooker. Oh, he's yeah. like the number one henchman for got it. Michael or for Tony Goldwyn. Like I like I feel he like he gets Michael his leg Rooker shot off. Cast and they yeah. were like, oh, we got Robert Duvall. You know what? Let's just get a kick you to the side and we're gonna rewrite it. And Robert Duvall's <laughs> now the main guy. Yeah. I mean, I would watch that movie if we just like did a henchman one where he's like, God damn it, I hate fucking working for these fucking tech billionaires. <laughs> Is. Um, well, James, before we jump into it, thank you for having me, by the way. Yes. Both of you. Um, James and I, our friendship goes back to 2019 when we worked on the movie Sweet Girl together. James and I were out in Pittsburgh in the trenches six months together. I say the trenches. We were very much working on a, you know, big budget Netflix movie, you know, getting our meals for free and it wasn't wasn't a hard life. But now we are also co-workers at a wonderful company headed up by some wonderful people, one of whom is your twin brother, which we love. But James, let's talk about you in the business of film. You are an actor, a producer. How did you get started in this crazy business? I follow Brian. <laughs> That's your twin. <laughs> if I really give you guys both a short answer, it's really, uh, he took off to film school after we graduated high school, we both love movies. We spent so much time. Like I remember, I think one year we spent like, and this is back at like 1998. I think we tallied up our movie tickets and uh, blockbuster video tickets. And I think we spent like 3000 each in a year. <gasps> and we were both, we, we, we were both uh, wanting to do, uh, trying to get into pro snowboarding. We're both from Lake Tahoe and that's what all our friends did. And, uh, I knew before my brother that I just wasn't going to be good enough. And Brian had a closer shot. Um, But anyhow, long story short, he ended up going to film school down in Los Angeles. And 
I was up in Reno, Tahoe, twiddling my thumbs. And I was like, you know what? We always love movies. And uh, there's this guy, Billy Crudup, that I think is one of the, I think he's the best actor of our generation. And I saw three films that he did, uh, Without Limits, Waking the Dead, and Jesus' Son. And they all came out within about 16, 17 months. And he was different and everything. And I took off to school in Vancouver where they shot the sixth day mm-hmm. and uh, went up and audited up there. I didn't, I didn't want to go to New York. I was too, it, it was too big city for me. And LA was a dump and I still think LA is a dump. <laughs> <even though I laughs> oh here. no, he hates but it. I was like, so I went to Vancouver. I was like, Oh, there's mountains, a major city. Let me go up there. And uh, I went up there and audited for a weekend and I found my tribe. Love nice. that. And, started to figure out what it means to be an artist from there. Yeah. And so, and then you did a bunch of things working with Pride of Gypsies with um, a guy that people may have heard of, Jason Momoa and your brother. And then we met on the set of Sweet Girl. And then most recently you actually produced slash EP'd um, one of our unscripted shows, which will be coming out in the spring, I believe. So when you talk, when you think about your career in terms of like acting and producing, um, how do they feed into one another? Like, how do you find creativity in either camp? So producing something that I fell in love with along the way. Mm-hmm. So produce So it was one of those things where, so our company formed where Brian and I worked both in the unscripted world and we had met Jason and, um, he was, uh, friends of friends and, and, uh, Jason wanted to start working with Brian because he couldn't get work. And he was like, you know what, let's go start, create our own work. And so him and Brian, Brian was heavily into photography and, and, uh, cinematography. So they went out and started making shorts. And, uh, at the time I was, uh, directing for CBS. So I was on a little fat whale in my twenties, happy as a jaybird <laughs> going like, you guys go do whatever you want to go do. I'm fine. I'm not going anywhere. I'm making yeah. 20K a month. I'm good. Shit. And, that's a lot of money. Uh, yeah. And um, those shows got canceled. And uh, we ended up going. And it, it's funny because those shows got canceled. And I was out of work four weeks before we started shooting Road to Paloma. Mm. And it's funny because in the beginning, I was like, you guys going to go make an independent movie? You guys are going to screw it up. Like, da, 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 da. Four weeks later, I'm out there helping them out. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's it's the road to Paloma is probably, especially with the resources we had, is uh, uh, something I'm I'm very proud of. Um, uh, we had we we basically did it with six six to ten people, um, a budget of 167 thousand for, for principal photography. Um, we just lived in the dirt, and we were mm-hmm. like, you know what? Let's make our own. Let's make our own path. And uh, we've been doing that ever since. Yeah. It's something that I respect deeply and something that I was drawn to, you know, it's like the higher budget movies that you get to work on. Like, it's amazing. You get to work with some incredible people, but it's almost like you get further and further away from the material, the more people that you add, right? With a, with a small crew, you're really touching on everything. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, even, even since 2019, I think you can realize the the kind of friction of bringing people on board. Like yeah. it's, you get, you get kind of, when, when you build something up with zero help, mm-hmm. you get, you're very protective of it. Yeah. Um, you know, because everyone involved and even now, even continually, even since your edition, like we're, we're everyone puts it in their own work. 
Mm-hmm. And so it can be very intimidating for outsiders because we're also like a family. Like yeah. we, we don't want it to feel like uh, um, it's just another job. Like yeah. we've got goals, purposes. We want people to succeed. We want team members to grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a really great place. It Somebody is. asked me the other day and they were like, why don't you go to work for somebody else? I mean, you can go to work for it's like an executive or whatever. And I was like, I can't be working with my brother and Jason yeah. and you like. It's, it's, it is, it is funny. Like you see the same people in our, in our crew year after year. And I think that really speaks to how much we not only enjoy the stuff that we're making, but that we enjoy each other, you know, and that is rare and you can't really trade that for a paycheck. Yeah. I mean, we're, you know, I think the film industry is a family in itself. It's a small community and we love to build it out. It's great. Um, And I bring that up because if there's anything I could say, like on a podcast for, for any listeners that want to break into the industry or anything like that, I'm a huge proponent. It's how my brother and I started. It's the reason we were able to form a company is because we learned all the skill sets that you need to do from pre-production to post-production. And we didn't just necessarily stay in a lane. We had pe- certain passions, but I loved uh, cinematography. I loved acting, but that didn't mean that we didn't learn how to do other things. And that's how producing producing basically came about when we formed the company. And uh, Jason was like, I'm going to direct. My brother was like, I'm going to be the cinematographer. And we were like, how are we going to produce? Mm-hmm. and uh, I had enough from the court shows and CBS, enough logistical and uh, production background to take a crack at it. And I got my ass handed to, my, to me on the first commercial. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's growing pains. And so that's what I love about our company. And it's how we treat you, Paris, of like, grow. Yeah. And we yeah, like the, to see what everyone's one, got. Learn what thing- I'm doing. One thing you don't say at Pride of Gypsies is something that you want to do because they will just push you straight in the deep end. You know, it's like, don't tell me you want to do producing because they'll be like, okay, great. Go produce this commercial in Montana in the middle of the fucking COVID (laughs) with a couple days notice. It's great. No, I think it's a unique situation. So then when you think about like where your creativity comes from, would you say then that it's coming out of necessity? I mean, certainly it sounds like producing came from that. Like, have you always felt a draw to create, to embody other people? I know acting, you know, David and I talk about it. It's certainly a very unique skill set to draw on. Do you know, it's pretty, probably the most honest thing I can say as an artist right now is I probably spent the last five years struggling for inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that have kept me going is being able to facilitate uh Jason and my brother's ideas. Mm. Um, and I'm starting to feel it come back. I, I, I wrote a short a couple months ago, but I, I in all honesty, I kind of coasted for a little while because I didn't have any inspiration. I didn't mm. know. I, I, I kind of hit this lull. Um, and who knows? Maybe it was a midlife crisis because it happened around <laughs> like 37, 38. And I was just like, uh, oh, David, you, know. you better watch out. Do you feel, I mean, you're both, you know, actors. Do you feel that? it would be fun to play opposite yourself, which we see in this movie, <laughs> The Sixth Day. You know what? I think it'd be hell to play a twin. Like <laughs> Michelle Monaghan just did it in that new Netflix yeah, series, Echoes. Yeah. I, haven't, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm like, can you imagine just the setups? Like, so I don't want to do it just because the producer in me is like, wait, hold on. So... I'm going to have to do one side and then I'm going to have to shoot the reverse yep. as well. So basically I'm going to be nonstop. 
Yeah. Because there's nobody else to cover to, to give me a break. Well, my question is, does Ani get two salaries for playing, you know, these two <laughs> versions of himself? That's where SAG needs to get it together. Paris. Yeah. SAG or, needs to be like, you know, you're going to play two people yeah. or play twins. You're like Eddie you Murphy. To double the pay. Yeah. Buddy Professor. Exactly. Austin Powers. All that stuff. It was I, this... I was thinking, um, yeah, like Tom Hardy, he did that movie with the twins. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So same thing. And it's just yeah, like was... as an actor too, talking to yourself, basically. Well, there was also a scene in this where at the very end, it's so 90s. I actually like had to roll my eyes a little bit. Some of the action sequences, I was like, okay, like, okay. They're holding onto this helicopter, you know, it's flying over the city and they have a shot of the Arnie that's holding onto like the metal part and he's like sweating and, and screaming. And then you've got a, a cutaway of him holding onto his own legs, you know, sort of like panting. I was like, imagine just getting in the headspace of that for both different characters and trying to make them different enough, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's, ju- let's jump into the film. So James, had you seen this movie before? I have, okay. I have, I, I, the first time I saw it was I think 2002. Okay. So like not long after it came out. Not long after it came out. Yeah. Yeah. David and I briefly spoke on the phone today before the recording. And I was like, I feel like we haven't done enough Ani movies on this podcast. Um, oh, this is. Did you see his acting? It's you're fine. Not doing a lot. Of I mean, <laughs> you're good. I just don't understand how people in the nineties and early two thousands were like, this is what an American man sounds like. You know, he's, we did last action hero. That's true. But yeah. we haven't really done, you know, like Terminator, all these ones that he's like super well known well for. known for. Yeah. You know, it's really funny because I watched not uh, not in the last week, but then probably the last month I watched Last Action Hero. And he's not bad in it. No, he's but not. He's in, not. in the sixth day, he makes walking and talking seem difficult. I almost felt like this was a movie for him that he shot in between projects. Yeah. That he actually put time and effort into. Yeah. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> was he was, was he intimidated by Robert Duvall? Was I don't know. I could have like, just it was all around. I felt like it was a little bit rushed to me. And then looking back at this, they said they made this um PG 13, so it would sell more. Mm. And that some of his spotlight was kind of slipping at this point, like his yes. sales, some of his movies. So that's why they um elected to go from r to pg-13 um interesting i mean this Mm -hmm. movie raises some interesting questions i think about cloning about like life yeah let's talk Um, about that how do you guys feel about cloning and do you think it's happened already human cloning i think it's happened already i do too you do okay well are oh, yeah, they sure. cl- are they clone okay are you saying they've cloned like full humans or are you thinking they've cloned like tissue because i think oh, no, i think they've cloned a human i think they've cloned a human they make it look so easy in the movie and that was 2002 cloned a human yeah uh, i saw something that um they they tried obviously i wasn't fact checking all this stuff but like my google research they they did try and they said that they they stopped trying because there'd be complications if they let it i don't know call it come to term or whatever like genetic complications they didn't have it down yet but i guarantee other countries if we haven't like china's probably done it there's a great movie with uh what is his name ear mcgregor and uh scarlett johansson and you guys see this movie where they're like in some paradise island and basically it's called 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 island Island. yeah yeah yeah. and what happens in the premise of that movie is 
basically rich people pay so that if anything is wrong with them genetically, they yeah. can get a new kidney, liver, yeah. whatever, eyes. And all these people think they live on an island. They're very strict diets. And then if they win the lottery, right, that they get to go to the island, that just means they get killed and they sure. harvest their organs or whatever to give it to that rich person who cloned them. So I think it's been done. I just think in this movie, in the sixth day, they very much skim over the science of how they basically have this weird like underwater tank thing um, in a in a laboratory. And they've got what look like fully sort of formed human bodies floating in these sacks. And then if someone dies, they come to life as like there's no they also like take pictures with through their eyes that maps their brain that then like you know you can upload the memories fully so it's like i feel like if they if have you had recently done it previous right if, if paris right now had her like um her eye scan to upload her mind then you know you could go away the it's kind of like saving a game like you exactly respawn. like on a memory card but so my thing that's so interesting. I'm sorry to cut you off, Paris, but that's so interesting. Your guys' point of view, because you both were like five when this movie came out. Mm. And one of the things <laughs> I was going to go into was it was believable in the cloning process. Like I was going back to when I was, because I was, I, I was probably like 23, 24 when this movie came out. Mm. And you're like, and one of the things I was impressed with was, especially watching it the other day, I was like, wow, this is believable. And so it's so interesting to hear you well, both because you're like, well, I think if they cloned somebody now, it would probably be like a, an embryo. It wouldn't be like a fully grown adult, right? Like, you have to start from yeah, scratch. Have, well, you, I have to push back and be like, but it seemed it, when I watched the film, it was kind of like there's they're all the same. So it's like this like neutral, yeah. no features, well, it's like not completely. Oh, they three D printed their body. face yeah. on for sure. Yeah. yeah. And do I think that? Here's the thing: is cut to. 2022 and yes i believe that we'd probably be able to just put it in a dish and then just have it come to life uh but looking back at 2002 like one of those um sponge like, pets that you put under the water and yeah exactly yeah. Like like how, uh, but how could you change like the height you know weight things the that genitals measure. i feel like you could do just like they mapped all the proteins recently like google did and just release them to the public that you could just have a standard, all right, here's all the like foundation of a DNA. Now we add to it because we have Paris's DNA now. You know what I mean? And then, uh, I don't know. I, I just think they've done it before from scratch. I just think it's least. funny that, okay, let's talk about it. So in 2000, when this movie came out, they're like in the near future where you can clone your pet, but yeah, no one has a cell phone. Uh, the laptops are still, I don't know. I just think movies that take place like five minutes in the future, like we just have no idea what the future really looks like. How many movies have we seen where they're like, there's flying cars. And it's like, well, we yeah. still don't have that. Was there no cell phones, but they were- we'd have the Jetson flying car. <laughs> Do you have any idea how bummed I was being an eight-year-old kid going to being a 21 year old yeah. didn't didn't we just pass going to happen anytime soon back to the future i think we've now passed hoverboards the too where, yeah from the hoverboards back to the future. Yeah. yeah um but they're close they got um they're working on like electrical flying taxis but those are like propeller they don't but that my only thing to that is like i can't wait for that to happen but at the same time i'm like I feel like the FAA has enough problems as is. <laughs> like I'm like, like what do you do? Yeah. Like, how does an air traffic controller track a taxi? They and won't. If, it, if they're not, how do you regulate safety? There won't be air traffic controller. Just like I'm hoping what they do with highways. Your every single car is going to be hooked up 
to some sort of satellite and it's all, it's all automated. Once you hit a highway on ramp, you don't drive anymore until you get to, you know, your destination. Right. So it'd be just like air traffic controller, pilots, planes, whatever. It's just, you're sent up the, you know, the system knows where you're going because you entered in at first it takes you there. It knows where all the other planes are going. As well, well, I think that's happening before flying taxis. Uh, yeah, especially uh, with the technology. Yeah. I think yeah. I'm I, hoping I, like, they do I, it with cars. Yeah, I think self-driving before yeah. the end of a decade. Do you know amazing. that? Um, that you know they keep testing these self-driving cars, and do you know what the cars cannot identify, David? Kids. Correct. Trucks. Kids. Kids, kids. No, I'm pretty sure it's kids, and I'm pretty sure they also struggle with people of color or something. So it's like, oh, well, no. maybe that's a joke. Saw, in, there's a show where they I make saw that one with a. There was a Amish country, and somebody was recording their Tesla screen, and it kept changing the horse-drawn carriage and horses to a truck, to a person, to a car, <laughs> back to like a semi, to a truck, because it didn't know what was the, what the, <laughs> the fuck it was. <laughs> yeah, there's um, there's footage as well of people like in their Teslas, like driving around like cemeteries, and it picks up on like people outside, but there's no one around, so it's like, ooh, it's picking up a ghost. Like, what's it doing? Let's be freaky yes. as fuck. Yeah. Um, but yeah, okay. So a couple things about this movie. So, you know, the clone thing, it seems so commonplace. Like they're just dying left, right, and center. They don't give a fuck because they know they're going to respawn. But there's one character and she, he's like, how many times have you been cloned? And she's like, too many to count. And then he pulls down her eyelid and she's the fourth generation. So I'm like, you can't count to four. You can, yeah, four is easy to count to. Like that was something <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? So it was going to be like thing, 30. Yeah, I was with you on that, Paris. Yeah. It's uh, and how long have they been doing this? They did it to the quarterback that broke his neck, which I actually was want to talk to you guys about because I mm. feel like that's interesting for sports. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's movies like was like Elysium with Matt Damon, and it could you sit lay in that bed and it cures you. Mm-hmm. Like I think that would be cool for for sport. But anytime they're injured, you know, they go in the machine and it's it'll clear your ACLs 100. You're playing the next game, or you do it at halftime. And you're coming back in, you know, but you'd have to have like some regulations. So I mean, yeah, come on, like people are, for a hundred years. People have people are giving a fuck about like whether trans women can compete in women sports. Like, imagine <laughs> if there was this. Imagine. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just I just think the it's it's interesting that people come up with these things mm-hmm. and then down the line we get some version of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Because someone thought it up first. And then as technology increases mm-hmm. and we move along in human evolution, it's like, all right, well, hey, remember that movie, The Sixth Day? Yeah, we can do that now. So how would you both feel if it, it like running into your clone? I mean, Oof. I would not like, like would, it. I mean, I, had... Brett, I mean, it's interesting, James, because you are obviously your separate person, but you are a twin. So oh, it's yeah, like... I, I look at a clone every I, I've been looking at a clone <laughs> I was gonna for say three years now. This like, is an this I... is an interesting movie to do because it's like you are. Yeah, like you guys are two cells that sort of split in half, and now you're two individual human beings. It, OK, like... it's going to it's going to depend if I'm in Adam Gibson, Arnie's situation a totally normal average american man american man with a great average american american midwest accent correct if i'm happy in my marriage i might figure it out and be like yeah man we should be cool dumb the guy why he's not looking if i'm not happy in my marriage i'm like yeah you go you go ahead 
I'm going to take half the business and go down to Argentina. Which is what he does now. As a bachelor now. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. So it's like situational. They're like, stick in with the wife and kids and I'm going to go. Just trade back every few years. You guys want to know. Or just leave and never come back. You know, the sick thing I would do with a clone is I, I, I'd figure out the off switch and put it in a closet for like 30 years. And then when I got like 80, 90, I would pull them out of Trade the closet back. and I would be like, here I am. I mean, the only thing I could see really needing a clone for is shenanigans, to be completely honest with you. You know, like, uh, like what do twins do? Like, you know, yeah, you go ahead and take the driving test. You know, yeah. I'll go be over here. Which I um, think... Um... James, your point to that that new show on Netflix. I think that's what the sisters do. Echoes. They or they, sw- yeah. they switch lives. But to your guys' point, so James, you're saying like turn the off switch on. But if you recorded your 90 year old brain, so I got everything, and they had the DNA from when you were 22, 25, you could snapshot your mind back into your 25 year old self, and that would be kind of crazy. Yeah. Because you have all this life experience in a young vessel, basically. Yeah, yeah, that would be kind of cool. It'd be so rad. Yeah, yeah. Like the I things I've seen, the, like the languages know. I know, and I mean, it's like it's just like really you live hot. a thousand years. It's really hard to think about because I think we're you know we as far as we know we don't have the option for cloning. So it's like it it kind of begs the question then: Does anything in life feel meaningful? Because I think there's a line in the film where they talk about how death doesn't mean anything anymore, and I think part of the wonderfulness slash terribleness of life is knowing that you know every you have to cherish every person that you meet every experience you know you're not just like you know when i travel i really try to like be present and soak in the moment because i know you know this could be the last time i ever ever come to this place yeah Yeah. i think robert duvall's character because they they did it to his wife Mm -hmm. and then um michael drucker started putting in like diseases into the clone. Mm. So they had like a five year shelf life, right? Yeah. So people wouldn't um, just turn around and change. Yeah. Mind. So he like, and basically, so he had control, but place they did it. And then she's like, you gotta let me go. He was, uh, Michael Drucker was going to do it again. And Robert Duvall kind of pushed back and said, no, you know, I had my time with her. She even said you had five extra years with me, you know, just cherish that piece. So I, I get what you're saying, Paris, like, do things really matter if I can just hit the reset button? Yeah. And you just do whatever you want, whenever you want, not really care for somebody how you should or engage in those moments. I mean, it would make you, I mean, on the, on the other hand, it would make you reckless as fuck. Like, let's say, you know, us three, we all took the chance. We moved to LA. Like there are a lot of people I know from Australia and and Canada, my time living in both those places that, you know, have expressed that they would love to move to LA, but there's too much, you know, riding on it, or they have like life or baggage or something like maybe it would make you more reckless and a bit more like willing to take a chance knowing that like you can wind back the clock, you know? But is it you, right? Is it you? Because your life is over. It's your, it's your memories going into another, another person basically. So on a side tangent, so the (laughs) the day after I watched the sixth sense, I think I watched it on Thursday last week or whatever. And the sixth day the sixth article. sense is a different film with... no the sixth <laughs> that's a very different that's movie. actually why but... that's actually why they changed it from six to the number six. Oh, oh, for this movie yeah there you, there you go. go more you know <laughs> but anyhow so my my point for bringing that up was is 
I, so it's, it, it's interesting because we talk about the, we we talk about the cloning, but the, I read this article literally for some reason the next day I watched the the night the next day after the night I watched the sixth day, and it was about like reincarnation. And I mm. saw these photos like of people from the 1800s that look like celebrities, and every single one look like the celebrity like matthew mcconaughey oh. ethan hawk and i was like, i have an explanation yeah. for that it's like with pharrell yeah. he is a vampire so yeah we've established it really that. got me going like <laughs> you know wild. there was some sort of similarity between cloning and <laughs> the ideology of, of the religion of reincarnation i wonder or, if they looked into those people and were able to see if they were related at some point in history or what if right? it's uh all the elites already are re being recloned and they just keep popping up yeah. you know because this technology has been around forever but here's the thing too like with the piece of taking your mind into it, the other one i think like with that sheep that was just a clone sheep version of a sheep that already existed right mm -hmm. so there would be no like they haven't gotten there yet where you could put your mind into something else it would be a, a baby david that would look like me like that didn't they do that in the will smith movie they made a bunch of clones because he was the greatest he was like a great assassin yeah you know, yeah it came out a couple of years ago so like what if you guys found little yous running around like eight-year-old you that they cloned and they were just waiting for something you know well, first to, of all to i was replace a, you as an i was an incredibly annoying child so i would be like <laughs> wait am i me in an eight-year-old's body like am i me now no no it's just it's just your exact DNA, yeah, with so its own life, own. I mean, that's what a from, kid is, right? Baby. Basically, yeah. So, but it's it's everything's the same. My you, scary answer to this topic is: I would love to have the moral superiority and be like, you know what? Once I die, I die, and I don't want like it's done. That's the it's natural, it's organic, it's mm -hmm. the way it is. It's how I live my life. I'm not gonna lie. There's a part of me that's like, <laughs> well, what could you do, James, if you just kept going? Yeah. So it's it's really but I think interesting. It, yeah, I mean, and, it, and, and you have to be in good that... health, right? Because every old person I speak to, like my 96 year old grandma, when I was like, okay, I'll yeah, call you. You get a new body though, right? Because right, every old person is like, God, they're so morbid. If you ever talk to an old person, they're like. God, I hope I'm not around next year. But I think that's because yeah. their bodies are shutting down, right? Like yeah, they're, not... they're probably in pain. If you were bored. still in the prime of your life, maybe you would be like, cool, yeah, let's go again. Move around, see things. All right, so what if what if you could do this? What if you could transfer, you're laying next to your old body or you're laying next to a new body that you'll go into, say 50 years younger, and your consciousness would directly transfer from your 90-year-old body to say, say even like a 25-year-old body. Would you guys do that? And then they had to transfer it to something else because that's like a part of you. What if it was actually I, you're laying next to it? They hook you both up or both bodies up. Whoop. I no loading. absolutely would. My problem is, is I can't know that it's happening. Uh, so okay. I can wake up and be like, oh, it's another day and like be a continuation because obviously they probably transfer all your your memories and everything mm -hmm. from that moment on mm -hmm. like i'm fine but second somebody told me just like it happens in the movies and it happens in the sixth day second somebody tells me that i may not be me that's when i freak out yeah but, but if i never knew the... i'd be fine but in this scenario you would know because your say 90 year old self is Going like ready being ready yeah and your consciousness there's no lapse 
it's just shooting straight into a 25 year old James. Would you do that? And you, you're those eyes, the 90 year olds eyes close, yours awake. And no, you were, I love you, you remember this question, everything. David, because there's, I'll tell you flat <laughs> out, I'll be happy with my life and say, no, I ain't going back 25. I did it. I loved it. I don't need okay. to go back. Also, and I'm, I think and you're I'm describing the plot of Get Out, David. How <laughs> you just described, uh, but not well, you. <laughs> that was, this is, you actually <laughs> would like to do that. Right. No, and but I, little... love you, I, I love that you asked that question, though, because I've never yeah. been able to answer it and be like, no, you know what, David? I wouldn't go back, even if I was cloned. Like, yeah. I love that I'm happy to be able to say, yeah. No. It's I, a I, real I, existential question for sure. Yeah. Would yeah. you do it, David? Is that what oh, you're asking? Oh, I'm going to Benjamin Button. I'm going to I'm going to jump. I'm going to go young. I think if I get to a certain point, I had a family and everything. And then I was like, all right, he's off. You know, he's he's done. And then David round two gets to go run around the world. You know what I mean? I, I think I might do at least one more one more run. One more trip. Yeah. Because think about it. You do, you know, 170 years as a as a human soul with uh all that ex life experience i, I think know. it does raise questions though about like religion and they kind of touch on it in the film they sort of like mention the god thing because of the sixth day you know so then it's mm. like what is the soul it opens up all these i don't think this movie meant to go that deep but yeah. it's certainly they had the people in front of the um the repat they were protesting. saying like yeah this is against god and everything and then they oh. talk a little bit about science um michael drucker and adam gibson so arnold schwarzenegger and uh tony goldwyn's character have that little back and forth about science and god and who should have the power to do what they don't michael really Drucker's they don't really doing. dive into it though it's no, very like it's top very, level but yeah. you just remind Which i think it was a smart call for an action it's too movie, much by the way. it's already like, a two fucking movie great. Yeah. like i like Arnie's I like you know it. the meaning of life is <laughs> death <laughs> I'm a totally normal American man. <laughs> and here's my take on souls and God. Middle America's uh, like, I could excuse the accent, but now. So I, I watched this um, last week when we first talked about doing this, and I watched it again today, mm -hmm. just so I could see, you know, that he's the clone that we see for most of the film and mostly the pet store because they talk about, he's like, don't you remember? Like you walked in the pet store and he's like, why do you think he knew you? And that scene, he's like, yeah. He's like, oh, still thinking about it. And you kind of, the first watch, you don't know that he's mm -hmm. already been in there. And you they play it so well like a... with the salesman. Yeah, yeah, those are like sales tactics. Oh, oh how you doing? You still thinking about it? All right, wait, didn't you have a dog? You could just ask an open question. Now where this is going is interesting. So I have a beloved terrier under by light of my life, my child and Scott, in the past, before this movie even came up, was like, if we could clone Ollie, would we do it? Now, you guys both know, I spend a lot of my free time fostering dogs. I love, you know, the, the LA shelters are riddled with, you know, unwanted animals. It's just so heartbreaking. Of course, I love Ollie. And it's interesting. It's like, I would I clone Ollie and have a second round with this beloved dog? Or would I just like, you know, go get another pet that I love? And it's like, I think when you start thinking about it on the animal level, it becomes a little less convoluted in terms of like, you know, because we're not talking about ourselves. We're See, not well, I think it's I so would, great. Yeah. I think it's uh, so great you bring that part up, Paris, because I'm like, it's so interesting because I think when our first adult pet, Brian and I, uh, Paloma, when she passed away of cancer, like I like I remember thinking to myself, like, 
like it would be so rad to clone this dog like i think like, i, so I want this dog for the rest of my life yeah she's your companion but that's not what life is and 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 so and like, if you hadn't so lost paloma you wouldn't have I luna would, we wouldn't have luna and the the and i have things about luna that might even be more special than paloma or unique so i my biggest thing against cloning is you stay in a rut yeah. Like, I believe that it's time to go sometimes. I believe it's, you know, like... Right, you, like the doctor character in this. And it's he's, growth. He, he could have missed out on meeting the actual second love of his life because he cloned his wife and got five more years. You know and what the I mean? daughter needs yeah. to experience that this happens in life. Yeah. Right? Your they pet do passed kind of away. Talk about it. Yeah. I, I would not... I would never probably do a pet or if you want to talk like some pet cemetery stuff, like wouldn't do a kid or anything like that. I would, I would probably do it myself. Um, to yourself, if, it to myself. If if that was ever, if I ever had the opportunity, or even thought about doing anything with cloning, but no, I don't think I. They, do, a they pet do tug. They do tug at the heartstrings in this film. Like the the bad guy gets up on stage and he uses a kid example, right? Like if you're ten years old and you have this like random terrible genetic brain tumor, of course I feel like as a parent, you know, you want your kid to to have the full experience to live the life unfortunately you know for every kid that gets a second chance there's a well i think it's doing it for parents and the kids that couldn't that like those are the people that i don't know if they'd be able to i mean i'm not even a parent but uh if something happened to my nephew yeah i'd bring him back in a heartbeat and i don't know if that's the best outcome yeah Yeah. so like i don't I, i don't think parents or or you know that's my thing is i don't think people going through grief are the best people no they wouldn't have rationality about it exactly yeah yeah but james would you think like sitting like playing catch with your nephew a year later like is this really the same nephew i'm weird i would be like that's my nephew like i I, i'd be good with it the thing that would trip me out is i would be playing catch with somebody who wasn't supposed to be there and I don't yeah. know if I could wrap my head around like a ghost of the playing golf. However, to play devil's advocate, if you think back to like the 1800s, people did not survive normal head colds. David, you have a head cold today. You know, like not saying it's it's deadly. However, you know, people did not used to survive fucking liver transplants. So, you know, medicine has evolved so much that like we don't think it's weird if somebody, you know, is on the brink of death and then finally gets a liver transplant, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing that I mean to 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 point out is I can't wrap my psycho psychology around it, Paris. Like yeah. the, the do I think you know maybe in a like that's why I can't say I'm against cloning because do I think pe- it's like social media? You know, I come from a generation before social media. Like I don't know what it's like to be bullied on social media. I don't know what it's like to have a stranger come Damn it, my my bullying online is not working (laughs) (laughs) been trying to fucking bully the shit out of you online um yeah no i know like you don't know saying i think it's interesting this film because on the surface it's very much like a silly action film but as soon as you start getting into like another movie i always think about is gattaca with uh what's a face and what's a face you know that which was all about like you could take someone's hair and and look them under a microscope and decide if that was someone that you wanted to partner up with based on like genetic mm-hmm. dna that's like tinder times a thousand it, it's always interesting as soon as you involve like a scientific question it's like 
I don't think they probably meant to make this movie so deep, but here we are like debating, you know, the... yeah, no, I actually, I actually think, I mean, you've been there before Paris. I do. I think that there's, you know, it's interesting because it, it's so long between projects that we do. Mm. It's been, it's been since January, 2020 that we, we did sweet girl mm. and you come out of those experiences and you really see all the nooks and crannies of filmmaking. You see uh, uh, what you're trying to fake, what you're not, the the resources involved, the resources not. And it's interesting how fast that goes away and you get right back to just being an audience member. Mm-hmm. But you, and you forget as artists that like every single thing in a frame was a choice. That's true. Like nothing was a fluke. That's and yet maybe an actress is a line a certain way or whatever, or something drops in the scene or whatever, and it's a fluke. But for the majority of the time, everything's a choice. That's true. So you know, that- you know what I you know what I always use as a great example. Whenever you see someone on screen wearing like a crumpled shirt, you know that someone deliberately <laughs> crumpled it. You know what I mean? Like it did because these clothes are like steamed, they're washed, they're tailored mm. to the actor's body. So you're right. Everything was a deliberate choice. And I think it's easy for us to laugh at this Arnie movie because we're like, it's Arnie, a typical middle America man with a typical middle America accent, you know, <laughs> and it feels very over the top, but no, you're right. Like this was also something that I think was very much in people's subconscious because of Dolly the sheep and like all these questions about like, what does the future look like? So you're not wrong, James. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you know, what's interesting to me is when I, I watched this movie twice last week and as a producer, and a filmmaker the, what i really t- there was so much that impressed me with the crew the set design the mm-hmm. i almost feel like all those people that were involved were like why wasn't there a better actor for a lead that commanded <laughs> something at this time other than arnold schwarzenegger i feel like i, I did really like the sets as well yeah especially like, like oh, the, in the labs yeah the the fucking yeah. clone uh blank really things cool. like, like that was 2022 and we still yeah. I, I that's the one thing that's why i say i, li- I still like the production design because it's 2022 and i still believed it yes there wasn't cell phones paris mm. but they was done so early that they didn't even know to add cell phones to yeah. the community it is weird vision. though like seeing um he was kind of facetiming like, from the the desktop yeah, and i was like that, guy oh, imagine yeah, that or, in your or pocket. seeing it yeah. seeing a gps in a car yeah that there's way better gps right now you know like the touch screen is like call this and the thing flips around you know some of that was way outdated compared to today but um yeah i I thought the sets were really cool i i did want to ask you both i was watching it the first time thinking about just you two specifically so do you guys miss being on set you guys are both on set for months right so two questions then Two months after you guys wrapped and you guys were off, did you miss it well, that it was, much, or were you happy? It to was be March back, 2020. Chilling for a little bit. The world was bullshit. bullshit. We, okay, get yeah. that. Um, but just in general, just your experience, and then now, like, are you guys itching to? Yeah, I would love to be like a month from now to be back on set. Um, well, hopefully, James and I all... will be on set in a month from now in Hawaii on one of our projects, um, visiting. But yeah, I mean, I can't speak for James. I, I feel like I know his answer, but yes, I personally love set and I'll tell you why. It's a community of people who are pulling in the same direction. And even on the worst day, the most stressful day, you are 
you know, living your dream. You're literally making movies, which to me is the best job in the world. Second reason I miss set so much is I'm not going to lie to you, crafty and catering. And <laughs> I just don't want to choose what I'm having for dinner anymore. I just want someone to to make it for me. So, so yeah. What about you, James? What's well, your first feeling? off? I'm going to tell you, Paris, that uh, that our crafty on Sweet Girl doesn't happen often. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I hear. That was the Good times. Uh, it, that was the A plus. Uh, crafty that you go ahead and get um i don't think you had such a good experience necessarily on a, a most recent show no, well no but they they tried they spent the money that was that was probably more frustrating they spent the money to go ahead and try and do it and the food never arrived properly for me it's the ebbs and flows david like i the funny part in paris and i talk about this a lot i'm more at home at being a part of the traveling circus so yeah. I get back to the real world, as you call it, or whatever anyone's called, and I'm like, booty sweat. Like back to LA, and I'm like, what, what the fuck do I do today? Yeah, like, get me back. Not, because when I'm in LA, it's always about just trying to get the next project going. Mm -hmm. But yeah. when I actually work, I think out of the 20 years I've lived here, I think I've only worked outside of the court shows when I worked at where Netflix is now. Um, I've only worked in the states, even. For maybe two years of my entire career yeah oh, which wild. spans 20 now which is crazy yeah. because when you think about it you know la is the hub of film and tv but the thing is that i always tell people is like you kind of move here so that you can get sent somewhere else you know um <laughs> pittsburgh toronto vancouver new mexico like these are the hubs australia new zealand hawaii like these are places that people shoot things la I mean, they do shoot things here, but it's it's less common. Well, sure. that's where it's, I, I, I'm, I, I'm tracking where the future's going. And by 2025, there's going to be a lot more. I mean, we're building so much studio space in Los Angeles now. And mm. the studios are expanding. That by 2025, they're attempting to turn L.A. back into the golden years of being the premier spot to shoot. Mm. Um, even above Atlanta, which is going to be a hard... Uh, yeah. thing to pull off. I think it makes it sense though, because a lot of creative folk do flock to LA, right? It makes sense to have studio space here. Yeah. And well, I, I mean, my point for saying it is, is I, it's really interesting because I've spent so much time on the road and now I'm getting older and I want to be around family and friends. And I love being on the road, but the same token, I'm like, how rad would it be if I went and did something down the street? met other friends up for dinner and went back to my own place like it's yeah. it'll be I, i'm excited about it because i spent so much time on the road that i'll be excited to come back and have an infrastructure in a city and not have to go anywhere it's interesting like the, the cloning thing sorry to bring it back but like the corporation that owns uh the repet the reason that kind of like started was because all the fish in the ocean were gone. And so they were like cloning fish. And then they also had real wheat, which is like the wheat. So I could totally see this being a realistic thing that would happen if like food became scarce or like cows became like extinct. You know what I mean? Well, to your point, that, um, because they say it in the movie, to, to your point on that, uh, on that aspect, they, the, the repet was, I think it was Tony Goldwyn's character. He's the one who says like the whole reason they do it it, the repet is to get people excited on cloning mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. uh, like of our affinity to dogs and cats and, and animals. Introduce so them to it. Was, it. Yeah, it was it was a way to be an introduction. 
And that's one, that's another thing that I thought was smart about the script was mm -hmm. that's totally something believable. Let me yeah. tell you, if there's a clone store for a pet and it's all illegal. Are you serious? Man, LA people would be lined up around the block. Oh, dude, I would go check it out. I'm not, mm -hmm. I don't know if I would get one. Yeah, but I'll tell I, you one thing. Go I'm gonna it. go check it out. That's what would, would be messed up though with all the all the dogs that need <laughs> need unless left them after the pandemic. Yeah, unless all they just make... are like I need help emotional support. And yeah, once they have emotional support and go back to their jobs. They just left all their dogs. Yeah, I found yeah, I was I was supported. Come get this thing. Yeah, so yeah. messed up. Yeah, that's why I think so many people are gonna be into the cloning. Because they're so lazy, they let or, their dogs. What about as well? Like they kind of make sort of like jokes about like evolution and stuff. Like, what if you could clone yourself, but you were skinnier? What if you could, and your next clone, like if they were able to tweak the genetics, like your face they looks kind of that, prettier. They can do that now uh, with like CRISPR and stuff like that. They can gene edit. So right, but like what if it was gonna, you? You know what I mean? You mean like so I. Just right now, I jumped so like to another body. But right, like version 2.0, David is they like made my hair. eyes blue or something. Yeah. See, yeah, that'd be interesting. I, that's where I'm against. That's where I got to draw the line. But you can get surgery. No, you yeah. can. But I think I, I think it's important to the human condition to deal with your insecurities and not uh, because if you don't if you don't deal with your insecurities, you're taking away so much from your character. And what yeah, you and stand then, for. Then who uh, are you at the end? Yeah, of like change everything. We'd all love to change stuff about ourselves, even mm -hmm. supermodels. Like everyone, like everyone has insecurities. And so, uh, but to just go ahead and be like, oh, I'll change this and then live my life, I don't think you're dealing with the psychology. Yeah. And I don't think you're living uh, yeah, a yeah, fruitful life. And those change too. Like big yeah. butts, big butts weren't in when I was in high school. And now they are, and I'm, I'm thankful for it. I really am. Grateful but, every day. I mean, it's different I mean? if like, you're talking about like, you know, if you're talking about like gene editing to eradicate like genetic illnesses, for example, right? Like, That's different. Uh, yeah, anything like that. Um, autoimmune, mm -hmm. you know, or like schizophrenia, cancer, yeah, mm -hmm. cancer, yeah, anything like that. Cerebral yeah, all that stuff's great, but there's, yeah. but when I when I say insecure, I think to myself like, for instance, myself, I'm like. That's why I mostly have a beard most of the time. Most I got a small chin and a big nose, so my profile sucks. And <laughs> I can't believe you just toe, called your but... twin ugly. Wow, so... I know, right? <laughs> I can't believe you called out Brian Mendoza but, like that. But it would happen in America. They would allow it, mm -hmm. and people would get it constantly because it would make money. People yeah. would lobby for it in D.C. And they'd be like, "Oh, they'd start with something small, like James you're saying with the pets, and it would get to yeah here." Get a, you know, you want your eyes blue, uh, you want hair, you want bigger genetic real boobs. Just Our government yeah. media is already selling us on where they want us to go. It's just whether we're going to buy it or not. Yeah. 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 This is, this is, for, for on the surface, like a lot of the parts of this movie are cheesy, but like the science behind it and. It um, asks a lot of questions. It asks <laughs> a lot of questions and that like, yeah just jumping into a conversation about really quick. Can we talk about the helicopter slash plane? Because I like that goes back to my, <laughs> I love the production design. And so I was like, wait, hold on. I totally believe that thing could be a helicopter and then it would turn into a jet. Yeah. 
I will say that the, 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 the VFX was pretty, pretty but. fucking good for 2002, 2000, uh, the, the VFX, like it was pretty seamless. There's some movies that you watch and it's like, you know, Hilly did a pretty good job on it. By the way, I have to plug really quick uh, for anyone who's listening to this that 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 loves uh, VFX and and what goes into filmmaking. You should check out ILM on Disney Plus, uh, mm. the six part docu series about uh, industrial light and magic and its oh, filmmaking. Oh fuck yeah! yeah. It's really it's it's really really cool and and David uh, David loves the behind the scenes, you know. Oh David, the simplicity of like I had no idea what a map painting was. Watch this docu series. I'm like, oh my gosh, that that's how they made Star Wars, and that's why it still holds up to this day. Yeah, is because was, they use techniques that uh, weren't nobody did. That's kind of what I was. It's why you said Star Wars because I thought about Star Wars while watching this, and I was like, a lot of this, a lot of the you know VFX stuff seemed kind of cheesy. Some of the guns that they were shooting, things like that. The pew pew, like it's like a yeah, laser. Yeah, and it's it was kind of cool that it shot out of the sides too, like mm. and it propelled it forward. But you know. What for whatever reason some of it didn't hold up over time, but yeah, I, I feel like Star Wars did. So I'm definitely gonna check. You said it's ILM on Disney Plus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna check. I mean, out. Image or who, ILM, whatever they Industrial oh, Light and Magic. Yeah, they were real trailblazers for a lot of stuff in this business. I feel like James, uh, we're getting a little long on the tooth, but do you have any good set stories that you want to share? I mean, I feel like you know somebody from this movie because you worked with someone, right? For this, it was interesting because when I first watched it, uh, Michael Rooker uh, directed me in a play in a theater company That's I right. was a part of when I first came out here. And uh, it's really interesting because I ran into him about four years later when I was in Jason at a, uh, with Jason at a Comic-Con. And... I went up to him because I was directing me in a short play, and he and he didn't recognize me at all. He, <laughs> I went up to him Blanked. and I was like, "Hey, Michael, how are you doing, buddy?" <laughs> um, and I I was like, uh, "Do you remember uh, Theater sixty eight? I you know I was a part of your little play. We did a little one act." And uh, he was like, "No," and uh, it was so interesting because then Jason comes over. And Jason knew him uh, from doing Comic-Cons. And Jason was like, hey, what's up? And he was like, oh, you know Jason? And I was like, oh, yeah, I work with him. And he's my friend. And uh, n- nonetheless, he, he became very, very sweet. Uh, sure. But such a nice man. And what a great actor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is getting to that time, guys. I know we didn't really uh, cover many of the usual age like milk topics. So let me uh, quickly tell you that there's really not that many people of color in this, except for Terry Crews. David, was there any other? There's like I, didn't, one, one I didn't woman. see any uh, in that. They didn't touch on that either. But wait, so like Terry Crews didn't get brought back or what? <laughs> Did he die? Because there's no black clones in those bags either. Uh, <laughs> they don't you know, have to be white, the clones. You can just. 3D print brown on pigment? the skin. Okay, yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's, fine. that's I was gonna ask that. Or it's just like, oh no, we don't do that here. <laughs> um, but yes, there was yeah, and the women, the wife character who you know plays the sort of like a screaming wife, and they've got the one female assassin. It wasn't great female representation either, really. Um yeah. you know, Michael Rappaport's haircut was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh, Mike, Michael Rappaport was the one one reason I kept watching. 
<laughs> but that's the worst part is that's why i go back and i'm yeah. like oh my gosh they, because they turned him into the same character he was in beautiful girls okay like, you go see his apartment he's got lady he, he's got that digital woman that comes the sexy uh, girlfriend and, yeah and that was, was hilarious like, that's very real no it was really hilarious but somebody who knows who respects michael rapport and, and uh knows all his work i'm like that's just a ripoff of beautiful yeah. girls I'm just saying his, his haircut was David, insane. Are you at- I was going to tweet at him to get that haircut back. <laughs> he should bring that hair, haircut back in. Are you a fan of the Rappaport, David? You like him as an actor? Uh, here and there. There's, uh, I like the more when they give him access to be funny. Mm. Right? I think he's hilarious when so he's you want, bitching you and yelling uh, about something. You know, like On him a tangent. And, him and Friday. Yeah, or the so you know it's funny, David. Is the only thing uh, when when I say I love Michael Rapport, it's all true romance. Okay. Everything else is everything else is icing on the cake. When I think of Michael Rapport's career, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> you were in True Romance. You made Brad Pitt look cool. Yeah. Well, on that though, so James, if people want to connect with you, where can they find you on the social media or whatever the thing that you didn't have growing up? Where can they where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at uh, james.w.mendoza on Instagram. Uh, I'm on Twitter, but I don't use, I use it as like a, a newspaper, so I don't mm-hmm. post anything. So there's no point in following me on Twitter. And I only got, <laughs> nobody follows me on Twitter. Uh, and um, yeah, that's probably, and. Uh, and make I sure you catch. Go- yeah, catch the climb when it comes out on HBO. Yeah, uh, the climb. I think we're looking at uh, now uh, for a January. Ooh, okay. Soon. Which I'm excited about. Yeah, that'll be nice. let me know if we're gonna get a season two. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna have people over. We're gonna watch it. We're gonna watch it as a gang. We're gonna. Yeah, I think we should turn into a podcast one night. Hell yeah, let's like a do viewing it. Viewing party. Yeah, we haven't really done like anything unscripted, so I'm down. I'd be like that. That show age like Bill. They can't climb that rock. That's fucking <laughs> exactly. crazy. What are you saying? Uh, okay, cool. And then uh, do you have any, you know, you did give a little advice at the top. Do you have any final words for anyone that's thinking of maybe making this uh, their life life career? My only advice to anyone who wants to be an artist and follow in all our footsteps, regardless of your success, is you got to know not to quit. Mm-hmm. It's just not guys. It's, it's, it's we don't work in an easy field. If you want a paycheck every week, this ain't your field. If you want immediate gratification or you don't have self security, this is not your industry. But at the same token, this industry is all about art. And if there's anything I could let most people know that don't is what you read about and what you hear about is more than likely manipulated about what's really happening. Um, and so I, if you really love storytelling, stick fucking with it because we love it. Look mm-hmm. at Parasite and David. Like, there's, there's nothing better than storytelling. I was just saying, better. I was excited. I got my first no today from a manager. Ooh. And I told my girlfriend, I was like, I got, a, I got a first no. And she's like, well, that's not the greatest. I'm like, no, that is. I'm like, you got to get a bunch of no's before I get a yes. But as the first person to actually hit me back, you know, so it's. Yeah, but, you know, it's also with that no of like, I don't know if you did this or not, but like, it's also with that no of like, oh, you're the first no. Like, what didn't you like? 
because then yeah, you well, she, work yeah, she on did, your she did give art, me that. artistry. Yeah, mm-hmm. then yeah. you work on your artistry to even yeah. make it even a wider brand. Exactly. You're like, uh, what if I told you I was actually a clone? Is it, is it a yes now? <laughs> She's like, I'll meet you in 20 minutes. Yeah, come to my office. Here's the address. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's funny. Like people look at people with success. Jason's a great example. I mean, James, you knew him in the beginning. He did not spring out of nowhere, you know, being successful. And that's what I always take away from this business is like, it's a war of attrition. I think they say that on Happier in Hollywood, which is a, you know, shout out to that podcast, which I love. It's like hanging in there. It's just, you know. Yeah. I mean, my biggest advice is go be an actor. (laughs) You get out. All you got to do is principal photography. You're in and out. You, everyone else is making a choice for you. You can chime in when you want. But for the jobs that you uh, you and I do, Paris, there's a hunger you got to have because you're going to do a project for a long period of time, mm-hmm. possibly multiple years. And if you don't have that fight meal, you're going you're going to kill the project, even I mean, if it gets greenlit. You're it could fall apart it. at any time. What was that documentary you made me watch? I always reference it. The one about the making of Don Quixote with uh, Terry oh, Gilliam. Um, oh, uh, yeah, I think it's called lost in la mancha lost in la mancha that's the one so uh, james made me watch this documentary ahead of sweet girl because we were on we were in the production office in in pittsburgh for like i think it was 12 weeks of prep you know which is a long time to be out there that's a couple months right before we even started principal photography and i remember you made me watch this movie because you were like i don't get excited until you know it's out essentially because at any point you know the lead actor could something could happen like the location could go away the money could dry up the netflix could fall apart you know there was just so many things that could go wrong i think it's important to remember that because you know it's like you said projects take years to get off the ground it's not like yeah, a quick thing I, mean, I i think but you know let me rephrase my best advice for somebody starting out who wants to be a creator who's not just an actor or a gaffer or a cinematographer or specialized in and really wants to see the whole picture the no between the no's you're going to get and the yeses you're going to get you have to figure out how to mend the two and it seems as i say it it feels like it doesn't make sense but you have to understand what sells and what you can go ahead and make hmm. And if you're not paying attention to what sells, like this is a business Mm -hmm. and most people are all, most people look at this as artistry and yes, it's artistry, but it's a business like Mm -hmm. any other business. If you're selling auto parts, if you're selling, uh, uh, grains, whatever you're selling, it's a business. So you can't depend on artistry. You Mm -hmm. have to depend on business because that's the trades right that's yeah that's what's going to screw you that like not paying attention to contracts not that's what's going to ruin you mm-hmm. is thinking it's all about art and it's not people want to make money off of this and they should that's the that's the beauty of this business there should, yeah, we shouldn't going. feel guilty because we want to make money at it i always told myself my parents always wanted me to be a priest or a motivational speaker and i always told them I can't do that because I don't believe in it. And I moved into storytelling. And I will tell you flat out, I don't care what somebody pays me. I don't care how much. I'm worth it. 
Like, I'm not trying to, like, that's the thing I love about such storytelling. I'm not trying to save the world. I'm trying to give you stories that save the world. Hmm. And I want to get paid for doing it. Mm-hmm. I think you checked the box for motivational speaker. Yeah. I think you're, <laughs> I fu- you fucked up and you came full circle. Yeah. Well, it is, this is a long one, but it's a great chat. Lots mm-hmm. to unpack. But having said that, we do have to give a shout out to someone in the cast or crew because it does take a village to make a film. David, who have you got to say thank you to this film? I went with Francis uh, Dewey. Another great name. I feel like well, they're all made to get up. into this movie, you had to have a great name. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he was part of the art department for this film, and he's worked a ton. He's a production designer for Ford versus Ferrari, production great designer film. for yeah, for Logan. Mm. So he's done a lot. He was an illustrator on this movie, and mm. I don't think we talked too much about like illustrators or like people doing storyboards, stuff like that. And like when you guys are talking about doing pre-production, I feel like a lot mm-hmm. of this goes into that. I also, mm-hmm. James likes a lot of the sets mm-hmm. and a futuristic movie where you're talking about um, a technology that's not vented yet. You got to get creative. And like an illustrator like this probably had a lot to do with that. He worked on also like Men in Black 2, Minority Report after the sixth day so they're they're the heroes david yeah like so, that's what's rad is they're mm-hmm. they're the heroes they're totally. the ones that come up with the designs they're whether they're good bad or indifferent to help create a world like yeah mars attacks he worked on mm. francis we see you and we appreciate you. we see you and we appreciate you francis thanks for your contribution james who do you have to shout out for this film oh i'm just gonna go with michael rooker thanks for freaking not paying attention to me when i first met you again (laughs) i was gonna say see you again was he nice after jason came over well i was really (laughs) bummed when he didn't recognize me and then he and and then he knew jason because him and jason had been working a lot on the comic cons he was nice to me once i met jason okay but uh that's that's i I was really hoping he was gonna be nice to me and be like this is you he's he's a really cool guy He's he's a very eccentric guy. There's I I don't hate on him at all. He's uh he's a beautiful human being. But Michael, thanks for your contribution to the film. We see you yeah, and we appreciate, so you. We appreciate you. Well, I went with Andrew Barron, who was Croft Services on this hey. film, because I had to give a shout out. I I have no idea what the Croft Services like was on this film. I hope it was great. He only did a couple cross service things, but he did this movie valentine prozac nation out cold out of order and good boy so he like did you know like three years and also what's funny is like some of these credits he has it says craft service slash first aid which is two very different jobs and um on the movie that i worked on with you james those were very very different jobs but really quick before you move on can you tell us why craft services like here's my thing is like i feel like when we talk about craft service in paris you and i have have had the creme de la creme yeah but uh, like uh do you have any opinion on the importance of it like yeah i mean you have to be like these these crew are holding cameras they're they're yeah they need their energy they're 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 hanging shit they're doing 17 hour days like if if a crew is doing 17 hour days and craft service is doing 19 hours you know they gotta be there they gotta keep staying around listen i think no contribution to film and tv is is yeah. uh insignificant you and know it's delicious even uh just people extras background 
um, I was sitting on a team, was it T-Mobile commercial? Motorola commercial, you know, till like two in the morning, downtown LA. And it was just, hey, can I get some more hot chocolate? Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, just sweet people that work uh, work there too. And they want to, you know, I de- it's not it's not like, you know, Cross Service did a better job than sound or costumes or acting or directing or whatever. But I think like there are certain jobs in this business that are glamorized much more and having a plethora of snacks is not necessarily as prized. However, I will tell you the craft service person on Sweet Girl, Leela, you know, at the time my boss, my previous boss was like on keto and she like went specifically out and got like special things for him to like make him happy. And she knew that like certain people loved certain kombuchas and it's just like the little things when you well, are in the dirt, you know? That's why, I love the machine. that's why I love you speaking up is because people don't think of craft services right. as an important job. And it is every it, piece, it, it, you know, there it, it's not like it's not like they're serving junk food. They're trying to feed a crew. That's and I can, t- I can tell you from Sweet Girl, you know, like, yes. Uh, so craft services is more like the snacks and the coffee and stuff like that. Like coffee on a film set, like that shit gets keeps you, you know, sometimes your call time is three o'clock in the morning. Sometimes it's 11 p.m. at night to have something lovingly chosen for you and like replenished to know that there's going to be. M&Ms on set, which might seem like such a small thing, but it's something to like look forward to the break that you take from walking away from holding that camera. I think, yeah, I think uh, every single part of the film industry is important. So on that note, Andrew, we see you and we appreciate you. See and we appreciate you. And now it's the final part where we must decide if a film has aged like milk or not. David, what do you reckon? Okay, okay. I'm going to say, you know, like, not really second guessing it, but this conversation was great, especially <laughs> about the, you know, the meat of this movie and what it's like, what it's about. But for an action film, 2000, I'm going to say it did age like it milk. Did. Okay. Yeah, because of some of like the the VFX and some of the acting Mm -hmm. and there's, there's a lot of parts that I thought were like maybe rushed or just like, Hey, just do this. And like, we'll move on type of thing for a movie. It really wasn't like as cohesive as I would like. I like the shot that they took. I'm glad this movie was made. Mm -hmm. And I love the, like I said, um, the the story (laughs) behind it and the technology that they introduced and, had a viewpoint on here and there. There was uh, there were some big chunks to me. Copy that. But like, but I did enjoy watching this. This so again. even though it was off, you'd still drink it. Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely still drink it, and I'd probably you know I'll throw it in the fridge another ten years, and maybe I'll drink it you know next time it's on or something or mm-hmm. down the line. Especially when that first clone comes out and was like, yes, I was cloned eight years ago. Here's the documentation. I escaped. Arnold Schwarzenegger was right. You know, something like that. I've been working Arnold in Argentina. The average American man. James, what do you think? Did this movie age like milk or has it stayed fresh? Oh, no. This movie aged like milk, like <laughs> no tomorrow. I picture mm-hmm. this movie, I can feel aged milk being poured down the faucet <laughs> with this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I, that might seem a little harsh coming off of how I sounded the last whatever this podcast has been going, but uh, three million hours. I, I I love the production design of this movie. And uh, 
there are certain performances. I loved uh, 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 Goldwyn. I loved uh, Duvall. I would actually love for this premise to be revisited. Totally. With uh, Jason Momoa. <laughs> <laughs> Colin Farrell. Yeah. And, it, so, you know, so, I, I won't lie. Arnold Schwarzenegger ruined this movie for me. No. Arnie. He ruined it. He ruined it. That did me. Walking and talking seemed difficult. His wife, do you guys remember the scenes with his wife? His yeah. wife giving so much, and he's just like a deer in headlights. And I'm just like, and oh cigar, gosh, dude. Did when you know it? Ran, sucks symbol right When he now. hit that guy with the car, yeah. and he goes, he goes, huh? Yeah. Like, dude, Did you notice that they like, threw in the I'll be back line? It's like, they couldn't dude, not. They wrote five lines in that movie to try and replicate the I'll be back. There was one when he like I'll see you later. He got blown out of the house and I forget what it was and he was like I'll come back or whatever. <laughs> like he had all these one liners that never hit. Uh, I really feel like the screenwriter was told from executives and producers like write one liners and none of them worked. Um, yeah. So as much as it saddens me because yeah. as I told you both I was up there when they were shooting the movie. I love Vancouver where they shot it, that half round building in the uh, public library in Vancouver. Mm. What I loved about rewatching this movie is it, kind of, it was kind of nostalgic to me. But at the end of the day, they didn't make cloning cool enough. So I actually think this movie did not age like milk, which is rare. It's rare for me and David on a movie like this to have opposite opinions. I'm going to say that I think it stayed fresh for all of the things that we've been talking about, which is, you know, it's it's a topical question that it raises about morality and cloning and, you know, what is a soul and all this stuff. I mean, yes, were there cheesy things about it? Yes. So maybe it's a, it's a milk that's like kind of fresh, but the edges are turning into cheese. I don't know what the expression is, but, you know, like I, there were just, yes, the technology was silly. You know, there were silly things about it, but... When I think about it in comparison to other films, uh, it did have a, a person of color speaking. Okay, the female characters were like mm, a little loose on the ground, but compared to other movies of this time, I will say I thought it was a bit more, it had a bit more be below the surface than what I was expecting. So that is my, my two cents in it. Okay, but okay. we are getting long in the tooth. So James, again, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your stories and your opinions with us. We appreciate you. Um, everybody go follow James on Instagram, not Twitter, because he doesn't use it. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening to the podcast, guys. David, you should go ahead and just check your fridge. And make sure that milk's not cloned. <laughs> <laughs> thank First you milk is cloned. Thank you both for having me. Thank you, man. It's, it's been a fun time. Yeah, I great we, I hope we do it again. We yeah, we'll will do one in person. For we'll sure. have you and your clone on the podcast at the same time. <laughs> see if people can guess the uh, the difference. Like Let's do it. All right. Well, thank you so much. That's the podcast. Bye for now. Thanks, guys.